Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hello, my high-fiving friends. I am so excited you are here and as always have an amazing guest to introduce today. Um, today we're going to be talking to Shireen Edesam. I'm sorry, I butchered it again. What was, say the last name one more time. It's Edesam, like Edison, but Edesam. Okay, perfect. All right. Um, so we, today we're going to be chatting with Shireen Edesam. She is an entrepreneur, seasons media executive, and a transformational speaker. She has produced films, original television series, and specials, created several companies, and led c- campaigns for some of the world's most recognized companies, ABC, CBS, Discovery, BBC, Facebook, Apple, Intel, Virgin, and many, many more. A proud member of the LBGTQIA plus community, um, Shireen found OML TV, a popular platform dedicated to streaming and curating quality queer female video content and OML Originals, a female-led production company telling a diverse female stories throughout a vast spectrum of film and television genres. Today, Shireen guides seekers in her six-week program, Free to Be, to disconnect their human being from their human doing to find true and lasting fulfillment. She lives in Marin County, California with her wife and two children. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So let's start off by just having you share um, a little bit more about how you got to doing what you're doing today. Yeah, it's been quite the evolution. Um, So I've always really enjoyed doing what I do. I, um, as you mentioned, I've, I've had a lot of um, projects on my plate and, Mm -hmm. and, and many of them. Um, I came to a major crossroad at the end of 2013 when I went through a major breakup with my then partner of 13 years. And um, we had two kids who were five and seven at the time. And we also were good friends for nine years prior to getting together. So 22 years of my life basically vanished within 20 minutes. And Mm -hmm. it really propelled me into a huge abyss of nothingness, this huge quandary. It wasn't even a quandary. It was just darkness, a lot of nothingness. And um, it really scared me. And I became very aware quite quickly that this wasn't just a matter of a broken heart. Like everything was broken. And I knew that I didn't want this to be how my story ended. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was really worried about the kids. I was worried that my undoing would have effects on them. And I certainly didn't want that so I set out on this journey not knowing at all what I was doing. I call it bobbing for spiritual apples. <laughs> so um for six years the bobbing became a little bit um uh, clearer 
less bobbing and more knowing over the following six years, but I truly didn't leave any stones unturned. I looked in every nook and cranny. I, I mean, when people talk about soul searching, I'm curious to talk to others who have done what they call soul, soul searching and kind of like compare our journeys just out of curiosity mm -hmm. because mine was this like magical mystery tour, you know, um, mm -hmm. a lot of highs and a lot of lows. I mean, it was deep, dark, scary, confusing, and it was amazing and incredible and fascinating and liberating and mind-blowing. And after those six years, uh, in, in reflecting back on the years, and, you know, when, when change happens, it's never comfortable. But then mm -hmm. you get to the other side and you're like, oh, my God, that was so worth it, you know? <laughs> Very true. And, um, and I realized that if I knew what I was doing, that those six years could really be distilled into six weeks. Um, if again, if I, if I, if I had the book <laughs> that I had written, mm -hmm. I was at the crossroads. So I wrote the book that I wanted when I was at that place. Mm. And, um, and it really is about, for those who are already on their path, I think that it's a great, succinct way of creating a shift if a shift is required or needed. And I think for those who haven't done much self-discovery, I think it acts as a really easy, unintimidating primer mm. to, to really resetting one's life. And, you know, I've, I've read a lot of self-help, self-transformation books, and some have resonated, some have not. And it was really, really important for me that the reader had a immersive experiential process and not something that was just conceptual. So throughout the book, I have exercises and it's really meant to not to task you with more to do's, but mm -hmm. really meant to uh, allow the process to become experiential. So mm. um, that's what I'll, I'll pause there. <laughs> I love it. No, I think that you hit on some really beautiful points. I think that one, the idea of trying to figure out, like you said, the soul searching is it is a really daunting task in general, right? If we kind of talk about that piece, um, it a lot of us don't even know where to start, right? We just know that, like you kind of mentioned, we're not a fan of how things are or where we're at in life, or we, you know, notice that. You know, some of us have that wake up moment where it's like, oh my gosh, where is all this time in my life gone? Um, and I think it having a kind of blueprint, like you said, of this is how we can start to figure out like, I'm at this turning point. What do I do? How do I want to move forward? And not just have a 
book in kind of that toxic self-help, right? Of like, if you do all these things, you're going to have a perfect life rather than having like, you know, that experience of this is what it looks like. This is how you start to feel and get in touch with yourself and really start navigating this decision and what it looks like for you. So I think that, you know, those are beautiful points that I'm, I'm glad you highlighted and shared of, and I love the fact that you said, you know, I wanted the book at the time and that's why I wrote it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I want to um, uh, also highlight two other things. You know, I, I think that when people talk about, I don't actually like the term spirituality. I mm. often say spiritual wellness or spiritual health. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when you talk about mental health or mental uh, wellness, mm-hmm. you don't talk about mentality. So why right. is it spirituality? And when it comes to, you know, spirituality has a certain st- stigma to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it either gets confused for it being woo woo or religious, and it truly is not when you are doing the level of soul searching that I did, there's nothing woo woo about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't subscribe to any religion. So there's that confusion. I also truly believe that you can't have mental health without spiritual health, but we mm-hmm. can get to that later. Mm-hmm. The other part of it is so 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 people don't really know what spiritual wellness is. Like if you think about working out, or you think about a diet, or you think about going to a therapist, you kind of have a sense of what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. But people treat, quote unquote, spirituality as this kind of this thing that's out there. It's sort of like, you know, throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing if it sticks. <laughs> There's no, but seriously, yeah, like nobody, nobody, nobody knows what it is. It's mm-hmm. not fully defined. And so And I think that that is necessary so that when people are actually practicing spiritual wellness, that there is some structure to it. (laughs) And so I think that practicality piece is really important and really defining it. And then on the flip side of it, you know, people say, follow your bliss or follow your heart and you should not follow your heart. And I could talk about that later. I think that's a misnomer <laughs> to be following one soul. But mm-hmm. the issue is that our soul or most people is so buried down deep inside of us and that we've disassociated for, from it from a very young age. That it's like, well, how? how do you get to it? What do you, how do you, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of fuzziness in that arena, which, you know, I'm not surprised that, that people don't know how to spiritual, you know? Absolutely. I I wanted to point those out. Yeah. I appreciate you doing so. Cause I, I think the the distinction is really powerful um, of, you know, the spiritual wellness versus spirituality, because like you said, you have to have the spiritual aspect um, to incorporate that mental wellness, right? I think we like to look at in society that we're so compartmentalized of like, okay, I'll take care of my physical health here and my mental health here and my spiritual health here, rather than looking at us as a holistic being and really doing, you know, some of this deeper work where we're figuring out, oh, 
wow, that's actually not separate. And I have to have all these aspects working on them and actively engaging in them to move towards what I want. Right. And he said, and when I say what I want, I am talking about that piece of like, you said, how do you get to not just what your heart wants in the moment, but how we actually get to what we want by leading with our soul. Um, I think that's really a, a big shift. And there, there's a couple other terms that I'm curious about too. Um, in your book, there's a, an idea of spiritual bypassing and spiritual comas. And I'm curious if you could kind of expand on those ideas. Yeah, well, you you touched upon it. You know, the the toxic positivity is a form of, of spiritual bypassing. Mm-hmm. I think that if you believe that you are going to go on a soul journey and therefore all your problems are going to be cast aside and you're going to hit this level of awareness where nothing is going to touch you and you're just going to be oming it out for the rest of your life in a <laughs> lotus position on mm. some mountain it's <laughs> it's never going to happen and if it does happen you are basically running away from life mm-hmm. you know you could choose one can choose to go and work at a retreat and and i'm sure at the retreat there will be issues as well because we are all human Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not, and I love retreats. I love retreats. I love yoga classes. I love, uh, all of those, but it's what I call, um, so if you are two things, one is you're spiritually bypassing. If you are not dealing with an issue at hand, because you believe that you are in a spiritual state and don't need to all you are doing is brushing your your issues and problems under the carpet Mm -hmm. and and we can do that also with other people right somebody comes to you and says oh my god i'm so depressed and you like well look at the bright side or Mm -hmm. you know um good vibes only you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this yeah, so um, so there's there's that, and and there's also the what I call spiritual window shopping, which is just visiting spirituality here and or there. I used to do that all the time. I would, you know, I would just spiritual whenever it was convenient, or there was a retreat that resonated with me, or if I was in trouble and I'd be on my knees and I'm like, God, just take care of this and um you know i i I will believe in you or the you know Mm -hmm. the energy or whatever but i (laughs) i wasn't intentional i wasn't all in and spiritual wellness truthfully again just like going to the gym and working out if you want effects if you want results you have to practice it regularly if not daily mm-hmm. so that's a form of spiritual bypassing i think uh following gurus blindly um that is a form of spiritual bypassing you know in that yes. i i fully believe there are people on this planet with higher level of consciousness and awareness mm-hmm. but those people would be the very first people who would say, I am not your guru. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, 
So if you are allowing somebody else to do the work for you, that's also spiritual bypassing. And I list quite a few others. Um, And I think it's important to really recognize because I believe a true spiritual warrior is an everyday person who is walking through all the challenges and obstacles of life on this planet and doing so from the inside out as gracefully and as powerfully as possible. Oh, I could not have said that better. I um, I just lit up as you were talking about this idea of following gurus blindly. I think that um, that is such an important concept for spiritual bypassing because I think it happens so often and I mean, it happens even not even if we go a little bit deeper. I mean, I see it in counseling, right? Like, or health practitioners, like if we just follow people without questioning or feeling into it or doing the work ourselves, we're not going to get anywhere. It's a exact same idea of like, I'm pushing my problems underneath the rug and you're gonna wake up and still have them there because nobody can do that work, but you. And like you said, we're going through this life as gracefully as possible. But just because you're having spiritual health and mental health and physical health does not mean that it, everything is supposed to be butterflies and roses all the time, right? It's supposed to be going through these challenges um, with, you know, maintaining yourself through that and like feeling those emotions and experiencing a lot of what's occurring. So I think that those those are just said in such a beautiful way. Thank you. You know, magical thinking is another one. Mm-hmm. I just thought of that. It's, um, you know, just kind of, I mean, I, I am all for manifesting, but manifesting is also hard work. You know, mm-hmm. the hardest part of manifesting is letting go of expected results, right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 for me, at least, it isn't yeah. doing work. You know, I will, I will do whatever it takes. But I, you know, I, I'm human, so I have set expectations, you know, and, and that's one of the key ingredients is, is to not have, not to be attached to the results. So magical thinking is not the same thing as manifesting. Magical right. thinking is sort of like, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I hope he calls, you know, I'm going to light a candle and ohm it out. And I know mm-hmm. that he's going to call or, you know, that I'm going to, you know, land this job that I want. And again, it's fantastic to put your intentions out and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But magical thinking will not result in a real enlightened life. (laughs) Right. No, absolutely true. It makes me think of this story. And to be honest, I think it's a biblical story and I will butcher it because I don't, um, I I don't know the exact kind of outline of it, but basically it it impacted me a lot when I heard it. And it kind of highlights the idea of magical thinking. There was a a man who went into a desert and he prayed and said, you know, God, I need help getting out of this desert. Um, and along came somebody with a camel and said, do you need any help? And he said, no, I prayed to God. I'll, you know, God will help me. And 
the person leaves. And then, you know, I think there's like three other people or two other people that come through with other ways and modes of transportation. He says, no, I've got it. And he dies. And right when he's about to die, he says, God, why didn't you help me? And God says, I gave you multiple opportunities. I gave you these blessings, right? Or these idea. And it was a piece of, again, that magical thinking. They didn't take the opportunity and do the work themselves of actually leaving the desert or accepting help. They rather were just in that space of magical thinking. And it shows that that piece of if we're just oming out or spiritual bypassing, then we're really not setting ourselves up for success or those blessings. And kind of like you said, those truly beautiful things that we can manifest. However, we have to also take that active participation and do the work. Absolutely. Yeah. I've heard the same story. I actually heard it with um, a man in a flood, but that's okay. (laughs) It might be that one. (laughs) Like I said, I'll definitely butcher it, but I remember the impact of the story um, was definitely very powerful. And, you know, I think, um, going into all these ideas of, you know, how, you know, spiritual bypassing and and these ideas of how we have to take these opportunities. I want to take a step back and ask you, why do you think soul work is truly important in today? You know, I, I actually feel that it is the most important thing for us to do just as, as individuals and global citizens I truly don't believe that we will have global transformation until we get that global transformation happens when we transform. Mm. It's based on our transformation. Mm -hmm. And I I just had a, um, I just created a um, social post on it, you know, like, with all the 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 geniuses with all the amazing inventions with everything that we've been able to create in this world i mean and and i mean you look at the you know whether it's like the michelangelos or the yo-yo ma's or like the 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 amount of greatness that is in our world and what we've been able to create and yet we have not been able to solve the world's biggest dilemma, civilization's biggest dilemma, which is why can't we all get along? Mm. And I believe that the reason we haven't been able to solve this huge, huge quandary is because we are tackling it you know, it's the famous saying that you can't solve a problem from the same level of consciousness that created it. Mm-hmm. We've been doing that over and over and over again in different languages for thousands of years. We're trying to think our way through to peace. And could it be possible that peace doesn't reside in our minds? Our minds are, I mean, Don't believe me. Look at, you know, study after study shows that our minds are full of negative thoughts Mm -hmm. that think it's somewhere at 80%. Mm -hmm. And that 95% of it are are repetitive. So 80% of our thoughts are negative and they are on repeat. And somehow we rely on it 
to bring us all together. So as global citizens, I believe that it is our responsibility to be accountable for ourselves and our transformation so that we are living a life that is from the inside out, that is beneficial to us, is beneficial to our loved ones, and it's beneficial to everyone on the planet. So that's why I think it's really, really important. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel that for whatever reason, we have somehow leapfrogged, hopscotched over the most fundamental conversation that we need to have. And that conversation cannot be had unless we are connecting from that soul level. So mm. There you have it off my soapbox now. No, I appreciate you sharing because it's really true. I mean, we're in such a time where we have access to so much knowledge and you're absolutely right. We go about it from more the n- the knowledge approach, right? We don't go about it from the true connection. And we do lose track of that. We think that we can do it all with, you know, the new technology and the new things that we have. And we forget the basic, I mean, even deeper, right? Than the basic human needs, right? It's like the connection, the compassion, the acceptance. And we do, we bypass these conversations of really trying to figure out how we can get along without even, I mean, in my mind, sorry, I'm now I'm like really thinking about this. I'm like, I think that we can really connect without even having a conversation, right? Like if you think about energy and even how you can feel and know so many different things about a person, it's again, go back to the studies of this, not even going from the, a, a spiritual standpoint, Um, In the first 10 seconds, we've decided if a person is going to fit into our lives and how they're going to fit into our lives, even before they open their mouth. So if we are doing that, there's no way in denying that we already are interacting in some way without actually verbally communicating. We know that there's powerful, a lot of power in nonverbals. I mean, even counseling, I learned this of, you know, 90% of what a client tells me is in their nonverbals rather than what they say and comes out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. And I think it's because you're operating from that place, like you said, the negative um, thought patterns, because you can't, you, your your nonverbals don't necessarily lie. And so I think if we really go back to this piece of, you know, trusting the connection aspect and these pieces of having a basic conversation rather than going on, relying on this knowledge, we would be in such a different place. And I've seen so many studies, um, you know, being in this field of of mental health, especially, and substance abuse. um, You're right. We are wired to have negative thought patterns. It goes back to that basic um, idea of survival. But now it's bypassed so much of that because we don't necessarily have the same need to have those instincts for survival that, you know, our ancestors many, many years ago did um, living in, you know, the wild. Um, but it goes back to that piece of they still operate in a very similar way. And so we are interacting from a place that's trying to protect us to a point, but it's actually not helping. Yeah, I have um I have this whole section on um 
the amygdala, mm-hmm. which is, you know, are the uh, place in our brains that sounds the alarm, as you were saying, anytime mm-hmm. we're in danger. And, and it is, you know, it can be useful if, if you know, you're about to get it hit by a car, but it also imagines a lot of um, possible dangers that never happen. Mm-hmm. And I call, um, I call her Amy D. Gala. Cause I love like, it. <laughs> and I, and I say that um, Amy and I have had a uh, very long relationship, a very, a uh, love hate relationship. You know, mm-hmm. because now it's just like, you know, I tell Amy to sit in the back of the bus. It's just like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. but you need to shut the F up and sit mm-hmm. at the back of the bus now because I'm driving, not you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. It's it's a very, um, the brain is very amazing in many, many ways. And it also is sometimes where we face some of the biggest challenges because of some of the natural things that our ability does, right? Like if we go to that idea of the amygdala, we're talking about this idea of it imagines a lot of fear. And um, I talked to a lot of my clients about this idea where if you are being chased by a tiger, your body and, and thinking about the nerves of passing tomorrow's exam or presentation, your mm-hmm. body will physically and chemically react the exact same way for if you're imagining it or if it's actually occurring. And so there's so much power in what actually we have in our brains and our bodies. But again, we go back to that piece of it's really learning how to say, Amy, shut up and go sit in the back of the bus because now I'm driving and be able to say that to yourself and move forward and actually drive the bus. Yeah. And I think that, um, recognizing that and realizing you know the the chapter one of the book week one of the book is all about our brain Mm, (laughs) our minds and how they get in the way and and the mind like you said is very very needed the problem is and I call this um in week two actually I, I bring it all together in week five, um, where I call it um, the the tribe of you. So mm. we have our, our minds, our hearts, our bodies, our souls. And what ends up happening is that we tend to confuse one for the other. And we task one with 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 the wrong task. So the heart is doing what the mind should be doing. The mind is doing what the body should be doing. So I think that it's really important to distinguish between all of that. And the the mind, you're absolutely right in that the mind is really like, I, I think of the mind as a really good COO. Um, and possibly a CFO, like it, it is, you know, really good with finances, mm-hmm. um, taking care of things, but it shouldn't be a CEO. Yeah, because it is always worried. It's always panicking. It's always very, you know, rabbit holes and all mm-hmm. of that. So whereas in the soul is in prime position to be a, a CEO. Absolutely. So. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it. I love that. I'm Definitely going to steal it and coin it yours. But I <laughs> I love that idea. It's such a 
so powerful to put it that way because it's so true. Um, and I know we're running short on time, but I do want to ask you about one other idea in your book before we um, run out. It's You say you reference a daily purge, and I'm curious kind of what that looks like and where we should start with a purge. So the daily purge is really a means to purge vomit, <laughs> any negativity that's within you and the best time to do it is in the morning and I ask that you do it for a minimum of six minutes six to ten minutes is is probably good six minutes is perfect you could do it you know if you wanted to for longer but it's really not needed and it's basically a stream of consciousness it's anything that's within you that is holding you back it's Maybe it's all the things that you're dreading to, to do for the day. It's the negative talk that you, you know, uh, that repeats in your head. It's whatever it is. You just purge it out. And um, it, you could do so by writing. You could do so by doodling. You could do so by doing cartwheels. Um, I tend to dance. I dance and purge at the same time. And my dance purge doesn't look anything like my regular dancing or people would think I'm crazy. <laughs> I, I do this. Like if, if we were on video, I would show it, but it's, it's sort of like tossing out negativity physically, you know, mm -hmm. as I'm saying all these things and I actually say it out loud, but you could do it while you're running and you could do it as long as the intention of the activity is to purge. So it isn't, I'm going to run and I'm also going to purge. It's I'm going to purge through running. Mm. Yeah, that is a big difference. I love that clarification. And I think that's a... Um, a really great idea. Cause I think, you know, so many of us jump out of bed and we're like, Oh, you have like a case of the Mondays and you're like, Oh my gosh, my to-do list is, you know, a million things long. And I have all these things and you start your day off in a very negative space, or you try to again, do that spiritual bypassing and reach for your phone and look at that social media or your calendar rather than doing a practice that is intentional for you. And so I think that this is a beautiful um, start to your day and start to your routine. I love this idea. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it, it clears your slate. And again, I would just try it. Like there's the idea of getting it conceptually, like, oh, that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. And then actually doing it and feeling what it feels like. It literally, I mean, it's amazing. It's just, you feel liberated. You're like, okay. Let's do it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like going back to that idea you were just saying. It's, you know, in your book, you talk about assigning different um, pieces of ourselves, tasks that aren't theirs. And, it, you know, if you're saying you logically understand the purge, it's not uh, tasking your soul and your heart to do so. Rather, just letting your mind say, yep, yeah, I logically get it. <laughs> yep, that's Good. exactly it. Good. Well, thank you so much. Um, I feel like I could keep asking you so many things, um, but I appreciate you coming on. And for our listeners, I am going to put all of Shireen's information in the episode notes so that you can find her book that we've been referencing um, and any information to get back to her. Um, I encourage you to reach out and I um, will be uh, grabbing that book. I'm excited to read it and very excited to um, start applying some of these things in my own personal life. So thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me on your show. 
Of course. And for our listeners, I appreciate you guys spending your time with us. I know your time is valuable and I love that you chose to spend it here today. And I will talk to you guys again soon. Have a great rest of your day. Bye guys. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.